For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This is Fiction Predictions from Mashable. I'm Nikolai Nikolov. And I'm Sam Hasem. So Sam, it's a big, big day for Fiction Predictions because we finally get to go down to Springfield to look at some of the most prophetic moments from The Simpsons. I'm excited. In this episode, and we've got a very special guest to help us with it, we're going to be looking at all the times The Simpsons predicted the chaos that came with the Trump presidency. Maybe I want to use them. Maybe you want use them to make this country great, great again. again. Yeah, it's really interesting how Simpsons has been going for over 30 seasons. And it's, I mean, we always see it kind of popping up on social media and in articles talking about how they predicted various things, like it could be not just Trump, but loads of things. But yeah, yeah, it's, they seem to really have kept their finger on the pulse of America. And there is no one better to help us detangle that kind of complicated web of fiction predictions than our friend and colleague, Marcus Gilmer. Hey, thanks for having me. Marcus is an editor at Mashable over in the US, and he recently wrote an article detailing the seven ways The Simpsons predicted the chaos of Donald Trump's presidency. Officially running. No! No! Don't take me out of the ginger forest! It started with a tweet that was sent out by uh, a user, Alexandro King. At least they'll always have this. They had a screenshot of one of Donald Trump's cabinet meetings where he's surrounded by this you know, gaggle of old white men. And they compared it to a screenshot of one of the Simpsons episodes where Sideshow Bob runs for mayor, which is mentioned in the article. And it's uh, the Springfield GOP meeting being headed by uh, Montgomery Burns. And everyone around the table is giving a salute to to Burns. And uh, he he, he posted a picture comparing the two. Uh, Everyone in Trump's orbit has Simpson analog is what he posted, and it was perfect. Got, you know, 4,000 retweets, went viral there for a bit. We were having a good laugh of it, and uh, I think one of the editors uh, we were talking about suggested, you know, this would actually be a a great post. I would read something about how, you know, how the Simpsons mirrored Trump or whatever, and so we we talked about it from there, and we came up with a with kind of a way of uh, approaching it from an angle we've actually touched on before at Mashable, because every now and then these things crop up where, you know, the Simpsons had predicted President Trump, I believe, in a, in a very old episode, Lisa's wedding. As you know, we've inherited quite a budget crunch from President Trump. And so we were trying to think of a, a different way in, and that was just basically... We're broke. The country is broke. How did the Simpsons mirror the chaos? And I just jumped into Simpsons lore. I mean, with, with 30 seasons of The Simpsons and, and, and counting, did you have to commit to rewatching every single episode? Or, I mean, can you just walk us through what your strategy is um, and how you weeded out all these predictions? Well, some of them were pretty clear to me. You know, one of the first ones that came to mind uh, was, the one of, I think it's a season, maybe in a season one or season two episode, 
with Blinky the Three-Eyed Fish, where Montgomery Burns runs for governor. Uh, some voters respond to my integrity. Others are more impressed with my incorruptibility. And that was the first thing that came to mind, because in the episode, Homer and Bart are split to be pro-Burns. Lisa and uh, Marge are split to be in favor of uh, Mary Bailey, uh, the incumbent who's running. And so there are a lot of parallels, this well-qualified woman running, you know, for this position in government, being uh, challenged by an older, cantankerous man. Homer, they're trying to shut us down. Running for government just to benefit himself financially. They say we're contaminating the planet. Can't the government just... Get off our backs. It's reflective of what happens to a lot of people here in, in the state during the 2016 election. I can't. I can't. I can't make love till I've decided who to vote for. So a lot of those came up. A couple of those episodes were familiar to me already because when I was 11, so I was that adolescent wheelhouse for The Simpsons. Uh, admittedly, a lot of the the more adult jokes went over my head at the time, but. You know, as I've gotten older and rewatched these episodes, you know, they, a lot of those references uh, I, I catch up on now. And The Simpsons had a long history of being a very political show. And Elizabeth Warren tweets too damn much. Glad I exiled her. Send. Now, some of the later examples, I did have to do a little bit of digging, just flipping through, you know, the list of political Simpsons episodes and just watching clips. A couple of them, I, I did watch full episodes to see the context of some of these clips, to see if it matched what we were trying to do. That was probably the hardest part was going through, you know, 10 to 15 seasons of the Simpsons after I dropped off, you know, 10, 15 years ago uh, to find out what I missed. And there were one or two examples that I, uh, I hadn't seen the first time around. So that was a lot of fun uh, catching up on some of those things. And that's how I became a Democrat. So when I was reading through your article, Marcus, it was really interesting for me, actually, because I, I kind of grew up watching The Simpsons. I used to watch it every day when I got in from school. And um, yeah, I loved the show. And I immediately remembered the Three-Eyed Fish episode. But it was kind of fascinating. Like As soon as you, you start talking about some of these kind of... Uh, predictions in the episode and the political links like it's kind of all all kind of comes flooding back to me and i guess like i guess when i was younger some of those references maybe would go over my head but um, i went back and i kind of looked at it again with fresh eyes and it, yeah it was really interesting like all the sort of political similarities some of the, particularly some of the things mr burns was saying in the episode he's kind of angry rhetoric and and there's a point where i think he says and the bureaucrats in the state capitol can put that in their pipes and smoke it it was this idea of attacking the establishment oh, mom that felt awful oh, i'm sorry dear yeah and that episode in particular one of the things that struck me was i had completely forgotten because i hadn't seen that episode in a while and i had completely forgotten that the whole reason burns ran for mayor was because of fines that have been leveled against his nuclear plant. They're trying to shut us down. They say we're contaminating the planet. Well, nobody's perfect. Once the kids found the three-eyed fish, that led to, you know, inspections, which led to huge fines and threats of closing the plant. And that's what really spurred Burns on with this pretty vindictive nature. Simpson, do you realize how much it costs to run for office? More than any honest man can afford. I bet you could afford it, though. It's very reminiscent of Trump. Uh, I don't think this is confirmed, no, for sure. But a lot of people have speculated that one of the reasons Trump decided to finally run for president after years of like 
kind of talking about it and, and whisper campaigns about it was uh, a uh, White House Correspondents' Dinner. My fellow Americans. Under President Obama. And this was during Trump's conspiracy theory phase uh, where he was pitching the, the conspiracy theory that Obama was not born in America. Tonight, for the first time, I am releasing my official birth video. Obama was really great at these speeches, and he he had a one particular Trump burn. Donald Trump. That uh, the camera, when you watch it, the camera cuts to Trump, and he's just sitting there angry, like seething. You can tell if he's just furious about the about the joke. But no one is happier. No one is prouder to put this birth certificate matter to rest than the Donald. A lot of people have speculated that that was part of what really inspired him to run was just vindictiveness at Obama for that joke. Um, and of course, since he's taken office, there's all kinds of, of stories out there. And, you know, it's kind of, some of these scandals have kind of fallen by the wayside uh, because of every other scandal that comes up, which is like a weekly thing now. But, you know, whether or not Trump benefits from being president, like his hotel in Washington, you know, being used by diplomats and visiting heads of state, you know, how does he benefit from that financially? So that's an ongoing thing. And that was something I completely forgotten about that really struck me going back and rewatching it. So that was also a lot of fun going back and kind of just remembering that, that kind of aha moment when it clicked for me. It's interesting that Barack Obama in a speech in 2018 actually uh, distinguished the way that we approach Trump, um, saying that he's not the actual cause of, of this divisiveness that has been bubbling in America, but he's actually just a symptom. It's, it's actually a deep-seated um, division that's been going on for decades. And I was just wondering, Marcus, when, when you look back at The Simpsons, are there any more um, similarly direct instances that, that reflect these deeper sort of divisions in American society that perhaps Trump was just very good at uh, pricking, I guess? I think besides that, the other thing that really sticks with me is the uh, the Ralph Wiggum episode that I mentioned. Maybe I want to use them. Where Ralph becomes this... Maybe you want Use them to make this country great again. Sudden front runner for president and I that was one of the later episodes I think it's from 2008 so I never saw that episode and how closely it kind of mirrored what happened with the Republican primary in 2016 you know there are all these Ralph Wiggum is a breath of fresh air for a country hungry for a change of air bland options that are very hard to tell apart and then almost seemingly as a joke, Ralph kind of emerges as this front runner. It, it wasn't intended to happen that way. And he's already a master of the soundbite from his take on immigration reform. Stranger danger. You know, but then he all of a sudden catches fire and has no idea what to do. And that's very much what, you know, has been with Trump. Like many people are saying, uh, you know, many people have said Trump did not intend to win. Um, but it took off, and that's what happened with Ralph. And then there's even the moment where Ralph said something like, wanting to make the country great again. And at that point, it's just like a punch in the face, and you're just like, really, this really happened. And so it's like the parallels are astounding. That was one of those moments where it, it was just jaw-dropping, like going back and looking at this 10-year-old episode, and it somehow predicted something that was going to happen seven or eight years in the future of when it originally aired. It was just incredible. 
It was really interesting, actually, Marcus, all those examples you touched upon. I don't really remember the Ralph Wigan one off the top of my head, but um, certainly remember the others. And, uh, and Nick's going to give me a look here, but it reminded me um, it reminded me a bit of our first episode where we talked about um, uh, Stephen King's... Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm sorry. I apologize in advance, Nick, because I am going to talk about Stephen King again. I just I can't shocked. help myself sometimes. I'm shocked. <laughs> there will be one episode where I don't mention him at all. I promise. But that's not going to be today. <laughs> um, the thing that reminded me of of the contents of that first podcast we did was this idea of, I guess, populist demagogues. And The Simpsons seems to have really covered this, um, this election-based storyline quite thoroughly. And uh, they've really kind of covered all the bases. They've got the sort of angry shouty politicians like mr burns and then they've got the kind of clueless but convinced characters like ralph and then there's sideshow bob um, and he's kind of clowning and parading around to grab people's attention and and it just reminded me of of that um the first prediction we talked about because i guess that combination of mr burns and uh, sideshow bob reminded me of that stephen king character and, and this idea of populist demagogues seems to come up a lot yeah and one of the things i think that's kind of underrated about how the Simpsons has also kind of nailed the culture is I can't remember the episode, but there was one particular episode that uh, with, they have episodes on the DVD sets and and I think some on streaming where you can listen to the commentary of some of the writers and, and producers behind the show. And one of those episodes, one of the, uh, the writers or showrunners mentioned, what's that ominous glow in the distance? How often the people of Springfield turn into like mob justice. Please think of the children. There's um, the flag episode where Bart accidentally moves the American flag during the Star Spangled Banner, which in a way kind of mirrors the Colin Kaepernick anthem protest, not so much in the specific uh, incidents, but just in the way Bart's mooning the flag. Everyone has reacted and the way politicians and leaders and just the mob rule, like how the flag my grandpappy rebelled against. Things can turn on a dime for one thing, and all nuance is is lost. When you insult the flag, you insult my flag tattoo. Trump is still holding rallies where people are. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You know, screaming, lock her up, you know, two years after Trump won the election, you know, about Hillary Clinton. And so it's it's amazing to see the way even these smaller nuanced things that are more about human nature, like the way these writers and showrunners at the time tapped into this like mentality, mad mob rule, you know, it's, it's fascinating. All right, who could take a story and blow it way out of proportion? I'm your man, boss. I want you to overhype this story so much it makes the New York Post look like the New York Times. Or the New York Times look like the New York Post. I was just curious. I uh, forget which one the good one is. When we're talking about this idea of persuading the masses and the way that the Simpsons writers um, played those out in, in the laboratory of Springfield, isn't that possible to make the same case in the real world where there are some individuals 
maybe not Trumps per se, but some individuals that we thought were caricatures when they were starting off their political careers and then were able to, you know, stir up some issues that nobody thought were important and activate quite a significant base. Um, maybe the Simpson predicted so many instances of the Trump world that we live in because what was missing in the pre-Trump world was this sort of simple twist of fate that often changes the storyline in The Simpsons and, and makes everything normal suddenly seem abnormal. Do you think that that's why The Simpsons has been so good at predicting particularly political stuff? Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I think, you know, that's definitely something that's a kind of a narrative theme here under Trump is the way he exploited disenfranchised feeling, especially among members of the white working class. And that's certainly something that you see, I think, President the Simpsons, like you mentioned immigration, like one of the, you know, the episodes is that I mentioned in the story is, you know, when Apu uh, has to reapply for his visa. Um, and, you know, I, I realize that we're now talking in an era where, you know, we, we're all coming to terms with the fact that that character is uh, problematic, I think would be a good way to put it. But, you know, it was galvanized. The, the people of Springfield were galvanized around um, something completely unrelated to immigration. And it was... Sick of these constant bear attacks. <laughs> it had to do with a... Uh, it starts in typical Simpsons fashion with this bear just kind of wandering into town and going through some trash cans. And the people of Springfield completely overreact. Well, now, realistically, Homer, I've lived here some 30-odd years. This is the first and only bear I've ever seen. Hey, if you want wild bears eating your children and scaring away your salmon, that's your business. But I'm not going to take it. Who's with me? Uh, and they spend all this money on this bear patrol. It's very over-the-top and very sensitive. But then, at a certain point, uh, Mayor Quimby has to raise taxes on Springfield. and Bear patrol tax, $5. What? Rather than, you know have an honest conversation, which is never something the Simpsons would do in this in this context. Uh, Quimby just blames immigrants. That's right. Illegal immigrants. Just blames high taxes on illegal immigrants. We need to get rid of them. Immigrants. I knew it was them. Even when it was the bears, I knew it was them. I mean, this was from an episode from like 20 years before the 2016 election. It's a 1996 episode. So in a way, you know, this kind of shows how some of these themes have definitely been present. You know, and immigration has certainly been a hot button issue for, for America and, you know, for the world at large for a long time. And this has always been uh, an issue. And it's always been something that politicians have found savvy ways to exploit and to distract. Like, you know, don't look at my mistakes. Blame this group for your high taxes. And, of course, another example of the mob rule in The Simpsons, of course, then that leads to a change in the laws. And then Apu realizes his visa expires, so he needs to become an American citizen. And I think that's a perfect example of what you're talking about, where The Simpsons really nailed that kind of thematic element. Um, you know, it, it's and it's staggering that this was... 20 years ago, and you can still look at that storyline and see how it perfectly applies to what Trump has done, the way he has um, manipulated headlines and stories to twist into his own narrative regarding immigration in this instance, and the way he's whipped up his base in support of that. So what, why do you think that The Simpsons has this 
such an impressive track record in anticipating big and small events. Why do you think they're so good at making these predictions? Because I suppose there could be a case that, you know, they've, they've done over 600 episodes. Uh, they've covered so many topics. Is it the case that sort of some of them are bound to end up happening in real life? Or do you think it's more that they're just good at picking out quirks in society? You know, there, there are a lot of non-political things that they've kind of, quote-unquote, predicted. Here we go again. And some of them are just, like, kind of coincidence. You know, I feel like the political things are a little bit more, like, thought-provoking um, than, like, you know, the episode where they kind of predicted Lady Gaga's halftime show because she was flying around. You know, she was suspended from the ceiling and flying around, and she happened to do that on an episode of The Simpsons oh, a couple years before. I love you, Lady Gaga! That's kind of coincidental and not really all that surprising, but these political things, you know, you're talking about these, especially these original writers that were there, that those first eight seasons, 10 seasons, where a lot of these episodes come from. You know, these were guys who were very smart, uh, who were brilliant when it came to satire, and they were seeing... I came to fight City Hall. I want to shake things up, Patterson. They're very insightful about what was going on in American culture, and... Stir up some controversy, rattle a few cages! You know, and, and I think a point you can take away from this is that... You'll never silence me! I'm the last angry man, Patterson! A crusader for the little guy! It feels unprecedented, and there are certainly events that keep happening that are unprecedented. And at least in my lifetime, you know, there's, there's never been anything quite like the Russia collusion investigation. But, you know, there are things that happen, you know, uh, there was the Iran-Contra affair under, you know, uh, President Reagan. And, and there are patterns and our behavior as Americans, there's something very cyclical to all this. If you want an experienced public servant, vote for me. But if you want to believe a bunch of crazy promises about garbage men cleaning your gutters and waxing your car, then by all means, vote for this sleazy lunatic. These writers patterns and you see a lot of references they love putting references to stuff that happened well before the show even happened like i said the watergate references and stuff and a lot of those jokes in the 60s and 70s and and, and things that even happened before that they almost relish in burying those easter eggs in there you know and it just shows how they see the repetition in our cycle how these stories keep coming up these patterns these narratives of american history and you know it's it's just, uh, I think it's, it's insightful work on their part. And in a way, it's just kind of, I won't say embarrassed. I'm embarrassed by this in a way, but it, it is kind of that head-shaking moment where you realize, you know, how true that the old cliche about history repeats itself, you know, is especially for America, because it does feel like sometimes we go round and round and round in these circles. And even when you say something is unprecedented, um, you know, is it really? <laughs> so... Uh, you know, Trump has certainly set some new standards or, you know, I guess brought us to new depths of despair and, and, and behavior at times. But, you know, clearly there, there are things about him that are very reminiscent. Richard Nixon! Of the past. I uh, came to thank you, Donald. I'm moving up. And I think it takes a kind of insightful mind that can recognize not just like, oh, this happened before, but can recognize, oh, this happened then, it's happening now, it's going to happen again in the future, and nothing is ever going to get solved, and, you know, we're just going to be on this treadmill, basically, of history. Thanks to you, I'm now the 44th best president. Sorry to end on such a, on a downer <laughs> note there, but, guys, thank you so much for having me on, and uh, thanks 
Thanks for reading. And uh, yeah, uh, I'll be here keeping track for whatever happens next. See you on Slack. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Paid for by the committee to turn the clock ahead to 2020 or back to whenever. Just not here. So it's so interesting, this this idea of The Simpsons predicting things. It's almost become a meme in itself now. Like, you regularly see tweets about The Simpsons predicting this, and they tend to go viral. Yeah, I, I agree, but I think what's particularly cool about the way that Marcus wrote his article and the way that he presented this fiction prediction to us is that he focused on a very specific angle from The Simpsons. So what's particularly interesting here is the way that Marcus approached it. He was talking about fiction predictions that were sort of reflexive of the of these cyclical sort of things that that rile up the American society he was talking about you know this idea of the planted seeds in American society that seem to pop up and blossom every now and again contentious issues for example like immigration uh, or or racism that seem to just at, at unexpected times just to engulf um, the entire public discourse and everybody starts talking about them I completely agree to be honest because I think before I'd read Marcus's article, I guess I was so aware of like, you know, I've seen so many tweets um, about The Simpsons predicting things. And I guess a part of me thought before I went into this, like, oh, well, you know, they've done about 650 episodes. You know, maybe it's inevitable that they're going to get some things right. Um, you know, like I think there's one episode where they go to the future and I think there was a video phone, something like that. And, you know, it seems almost bound to happen with such a long running show. But then again, you know, once I read Marcus's article and once, you know, after he's spoken to us now, um, and as he rightly pointed out, when it comes to politics, the predictions, they're a lot more sort of subtle and in-depth and like kind of like what you were just saying. And, you know, it, it just kind of shows all the predictions there show how impressively the Simpsons writers sort of tapped into these social trends and these patterns of behavior in society. And, you know, entire themes of episodes, um, like satirizing a certain thing, seems to, you know, seems to have come true in certain cases. And, um, and you know, this idea, like I mentioned before, of like populist demagogues, just themes like that, they seem to have really hit the nail on the head. So, good fiction prediction? Oh, uh, really impressive. I wonder if there's any other satirical cartoons, uh, especially outside of America, that have done an equally good job at sort of diagnosing the present and in their respective countries. Yeah, possibly. I mean, there's so many, yeah, cartoons seem to be super popular at the moment, or certainly, like, I don't know, like, I don't know if you've seen many on Netflix. There seems to be loads of, like, um, I watched one the other day. It was set in space. Final Final Space? I don't know if you've seen that yet. I, I have seen it. I heard it's not very good. No, I liked it. Oh, but <laughs> I guess I'm going to watch it too. No, it's good. Well, I thought it was... I thought Rick it was... and Morty is what I've watched. Yeah, see, Rick and Morty is one that I, I've seen a few episodes of and I really like and I don't know why I haven't just sat down and watched all of it. I need to just binge watch it. Because you're watching Final Space instead. Hey, don't knock Final Space until you've tried it. Is but it... Anyway, guys, sorry to go on a tangent, but if any of you have any suggestions um, for other sort of satirical animations or cartoons that could prove to be good fiction prediction um, material, you know, send us your suggestion or tweet at us. You know what to do. Yes, please do. Like, please, yeah, keep the suggestions, keep the suggestions coming. Um, that'd be really helpful. And also, guys, definitely check out uh, Marcus's original article. It's called Seven Ways the Simpsons Predicted the Chaos of Donald Trump's Presidency. Um, and so 
here's what we're going to do over the next two episodes. We're going to go back to basics and tackle one of the most popular books ever. It's a book that has rocketed back to number one in seemingly direct response to the volatile political landscapes that some so-called Western democracies have experienced in recent years. This June also marks the 70th anniversary of the publication of the book. Can you guess what it is? Stay tuned because next week I'll be going back in time for part one of the episode before bringing it all back home to the context of our contemporary society in two weeks time for part two. Thanks. All right. Thanks very much for tuning in, guys. And once again, if you don't mind, please drop us a comment and a rating on iTunes or whatever other platform you're listening to this podcast on, because it really, really does help us spread the word. And yeah, feel free to, to chat to us on Twitter, too. My handle's at Sam Hasem. And it's Nikolai underscore Nikolov here. Thanks, guys. Bye. Fiction Predictions is a Mashable podcast created by Sam Hasem and Nikolai Nikolov. The theme song was composed by Kasberg. The artwork was designed by Bob Al Green. And this episode was edited by Nick.